Welcome to the Anthropology and Business Podcast, where you'll learn about the many ways anthropology is applied in business and why business anthropology is one of the most effective lenses for making sense of organizations and consumers. Through conversations with leading anthropologists working in advertising, marketing, consumer behavior, organizational culture, user experience, and many other roles, you'll learn firsthand what it means to do business anthropology and how the work differs from academic anthropology. We will discuss issues like the pace and depth of research in business, our visibility and influence as practitioners, and what we can do to build our brand. We will also focus on the value and impact of our research in business so that we can help business leaders understand why they should be hiring anthropologists. I'm your host, Matt Arts, a business anthropologist specializing in design anthropology and working at the intersection of product management, user experience, and business strategy. Let's get started. All right. Well, thanks, um, everyone, for joining today. I'm Matt Arts, and I'm with Oscar Barrera today. Uh, Oscar is a business anthropologist out of Mexico and the owner of, uh, you might have to help me here, but uh, Apamata Consulting. Uh, and um, so, uh, yeah, please. Actually, I, I, I changed my brand. Now it's uh, Antropologia Corporativa or Corporate Anthropology. I changed it a few years ago. And yeah, precisely because Apamada was a, a, a difficult name for people to relate to. Uh, so that's what I changed it. Okay. okay. Well, thanks for correcting me. Sorry about that. And um, so why don't you maybe use that as a, a jumping off point? Can you give us a little background on you know, education, you know, anthropology education, your career, how you started your business? Okay, well, uh, let's start how I became an anthropologist. I, I actually, when I graduated from college, I just I majored in tourism studies, in planning and development. So uh, I went to the highlands of Chiapas with the idea of creating a, a developing project for indigenous peoples, indigenous communities, uh, uh, an indigenous village called... Uh, Chamula, San Juan Chamula. So the, the idea, the idea that I had at that time, because I was young and naive, I wanted to change the world. <laughs> I thought that by creating a, a project, a developing project, where indigenous people could uh, develop, create their own this, uh, infrastructure to cater tourists, I don't know, from room and board or uh, hotels or restaurants or, I don't know, just to create economic uh, uh, options and possibilities for indigenous people to benefit from tourism. I thought that was a very, uh, about a positive kind of <laughs> contribution that I could make with my, after finishing studies in, in uh, university. So I came in, in, in touch with a uh, with anthropologists in the highlands of Chiapas, and I met uh, many of them who questioned the the purpose of my of my endeavors. And actually, there was one anthropologist that he said, "Oscar, this sounds very it sounds very um, very kind and very very altruistic what you are doing for these people." But have you ever asked them what do they think of tourists? Maybe they don't. If all these years, if for all these decades, 
that if they haven't developed a tourism industry on their own, it's because maybe they they have certain beliefs and there's they have certain world vision that that maybe they are not interested to relate to tourists. Maybe they are just happy by keeping them a distance and just uh, being a an object of tourism as opposed to subject of tourism because the tourists go there to snap pictures and buy maybe a few uh, textiles, but uh, pretty much going there is like uh, visiting a, a human zoo. So uh, these anthropologists, uh, like uh, really challenge me, is like uh, maybe uh, you, you must pursue an explanation why these indigenous people uh, they don't have. They don't seem to have this um, business kind of mentality. What's behind that? Uh, it's not because they are dumb or stupid, but maybe they are not interested. You should find out about that. So, with that, with that um, framework, I, without any anthropological training, I just, I began studying the indigenous perceptions on tourists. What? How they? How they? And, and actually the reciprocal views, how they, how each other they construct in their imagination. So uh, that's how I, uh, I met uh, Peter Vandenberg, uh, professor of anthropology at the University of Washington and sociology. So uh, we met and he wrote a book, the, the Quest of the Other, a very famous book in the 90s. And he, uh, he was actually one of the pioneers in anthropology in, in tourism anthropology or yeah, tourism anthropology. So uh, after I finished my, my, the, my thesis, I sent him a, cop a copy and he was very ex uh, happy and excited. So he invited me to, to uh, join the, the PhD program of the, uh, in the uh, University of Washington. So that's how I, 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 uh, end up uh, studying anthropology uh, because of these, <laughs> these uh, altruistic kind of desires. But at the end, uh, I, I found myself being very naive, not understanding people's agendas and people's uh, worldviews. And anthropology changed my life. And after I finished my PhD, uh, I decided uh, to work for uh, international organizations to do developing work in Africa and uh, Latin America, because I speak uh, English, French, and German. So I, I thought that it I wouldn't have any problems finding a job. But that year that I was pursuing that, uh, the, uh, these international organizations had no budgets. So I couldn't find uh, any positions. They were interested in my qualifications and credentials. However, there was no job for me. <laughs> so. I decided, uh, thanks to the advice of a friend of mine, I decided to create the job of my dreams. So I started my own business anthropology consulting. That's great. That's how I became an anthropologist. It's a, nice, it's a great story. And, and so, um, you know, what is business anthropology to you? You know, how, do you, how would you define it? Uh, business anthropology. I think you use the anthropological techniques, theories, and methods in order to, to help uh, entrepreneurs in order to help uh, society, communities 
to put it off through economic means. I mean, uh, in my practice as a corporate anthropologist, I help not only entrepreneurs to make money, uh, but I help entrepreneurs to, cre to create an impact, an impact uh, for their employees, an impact for the community, an impact for the environment, an impact for the planet. Uh, for me, that's, that's uh, business anthropology, how we use the techniques, theories, and methods in order to create an impact for, to, for the well-being of humans and the planet. And the PhD program, um, yeah. Did you ever come across, you know, any of the literature, business anthropology literature during the course of that, or did you find all of that on your own? No, actually, uh, I must confess, I had a very interesting experience uh, in business when I was in graduate school. I was finishing my doctoral uh, dissertation, and I had no, uh, I was never exposed to to business other than the typical anthropological studies of studying labor unions or studying uh, 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 customer consumption, things like that, but no really, no business, only studying the, uh, the actors that are involved in business, but no studying business themselves from the anthropological perspective. So, uh, when I was finishing my uh, my doctoral dissertation, my the chair of my uh, doctoral committee said, "Oh, you should talk to this girl that, is, that graduated uh, last year, and she's working for a corporation. Maybe uh, she will have some insights about you after finishing your PhD." So I went to talk to her, and she was working for. <laughs> she was in the dark side. <laughs> She was working for these major corporations that that, that worked at, uh, for for McDonald's and all these big corporations that were making a bunch of money and and I found it uh, troublesome uh, how the uh, an anthropologist was working for corporations to uh, when when all my anthropological formation and ambition was against capitalism to empower the powerless, to give voice to the voiceless. So I had this uh, kind of like a, an epistemological and ethical kind of conflict when I was listening to, listening to her story. And I said, why are you doing that? Why are you working for, for these corporations? And she said, Oscar, let me tell you a story. She said, first of all, uh, we, are, we are working with McDonald's to expand all over Latin America. And me as an anthropologist, I have the insights of how to create better menus for, for, the, for the health of the people, how to use uh, materials and sources that are, from, um, uh, that are produced locally as opposed to be imported. So as an anthropologist, we can, uh, we can help these companies with a more with a more ethical kind of approach, with a more socially and culturally uh, cons uh, uh, sensitivity, so to speak. And then she she, she, she said something to me that I found it very <laughs> very. It was like uh, the it was a crossroad for me in in my anthropological kind of uh, way of seeing anthropology in business. She said, Oscar, I must confess that uh, I, uh, uh, when I was uh, working on my dissertation, uh, 
because she did her dissertation on business or starting a company, she said uh, this uh, business uh, show up to do this research, but I felt incapable. I mean, I felt like I was not entirely qualified. So I asked my advisors of my doctoral committee if they if they want to join in and and do the research. And it was good money. It was very good money. <laughs> but uh, my advisor said, okay, we're going to do this, but please <laughs> keep it quiet. <laughs> Don't spread the word. <laughs> because it was not well seen. And I said, really? And after, y- years later, I, I had to deal myself with this uh, conflict, ethical conflict. Okay, like, because my formation was to help to the powerless, give voice to the voiceless. But also, uh, how uh, am, am I supposed to help these uh, companies to make money, even at the expense of people? So uh, I had to really, uh, it took me a, a few years to really uh, adjust all these paradigms in my brain. And then I said, I came to the realization that, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's like fire. You can use fire, and, uh, fire using uh, fire as a metaphor of anthropology. You can use fire to heat when you are... Uh, to create warm when you're cold, to cook, or to create something wonderful. Or you can use fire to burn a house and, and destroy something. So it, it, it's, it matters your agenda, it matters what, what uh, your purpose, your intention, your motivation, what's, what's behind your intention of, of using anthropological tools for any situation, company, or circumstance. Sure. So, you know, how do you choose to use that fire today? What's, what's your main sort of driver? You know, what are you trying to do with your practice? Well, I, uh, after bouncing from different, different kind of uh, ways, uh, because I just started actually, uh, as an anthropologist, you just listen, listen to this. Uh, I, I started business anthropology, I started my consulting in a very naive way. Because I said, well, I'm anthropologist, I'm ethical. I, so what's the, the, the best thing I could do is uh, sustainability. I will help companies to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. But that thing doesn't sell. <laughs> that thing doesn't sell. So I spent almost a year trying to make a business out of nothing. Uh-huh. Because nobody was interested, even less in Mexico, and even less in this small city that I live in. Everybody is just after the money. <laughs> nobody cares about the impact. Nobody cares about the environment. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm, 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 I am exaggerating, right? But, uh, but uh, the point is like uh, uh, years ago, well, seven years ago, <laughs> you cannot make a living with that perspective, with that paradigm. So I, uh, uh, I, I have some. Very uh, tiny projects here and there, but I was I was uh, I was broke. <laughs> that was not uh, it didn't give me any business to survive, so I had to change. So uh, I I I decided to focus on something that I was really passionate about, which is creativity and innovation. So I help companies to to innovate, whether to uh, study better the. Their, their customers' minds, their customers' behaviors, uh, to, to how they can develop better products, better services, 
to for the well-being of their of their customers, how they can transform their their culture of their own companies to better cater and to better uh, resolve their customers' problems and to offer solutions. So, I uh, I became a problem solver for for companies, and I have uh, I have focused on two things. One is uh, cultural change in companies, and the other one is innovation and creativity on on, on products. Mm-hmm. How companies can create more powerful products, how they can create an irresistible offer, and how can they uh, provide better solutions for their clients. Okay. So, you know, in there you talked about some of the challenges you had when you started the business, particularly around sustainability. Mm-hmm. But as you as you pivoted to the new sort of value proposition, what did you do to help sell that to, you know, in your case, you know, your clients? You know, how did you convince them that anthropology would bring value to to the projects? Mm-hmm. Well, I, it was a, a learning curve. At the beginning, I, I was selling anthropology. And then I realized that it doesn't work. And then I realized, and then I was selling your sustainable uh, sustainability solutions. And that thing didn't sell either. <laughs> so <laughs> I, when I began focusing on companies' problems, company solutions, on customers' challenges, then people start to to listen to me for the solutions that I offered. I. And later, people found out that I was an anthropologist. Later, people learned that what I was doing, and I was introducing these pieces of, oh, this is anthropology. I am an anthropologist. I'm not just a normal, an ordinary consultant. I am an anthropologist, and this is the insights that I bring to you. So, uh, at the beginning, I had to, uh, I had to just hide, so to speak, <laughs> the. Uh, the term anthropology, because even I lost clients using that term. It's like, a, it's like a, why, what is that anthropology? I remember there was I, 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 this proposal for a, a very compelling proposal for this uh, company that they uh, rent buses and cars to companies. So I said, well, uh, let's use anthropology to understand their, your customer's experience. Let's create a an extraordinary, a wow experience for your customers. And we're going to use anthropological tools. Uh, so I gave him my speech, uh, my, my, I gave him my presentation, my value, pro, my value proposition. And he said, oh, oh, he said, oh, yeah, now you understand what anthropology is about. Oh, that's okay. Uh, at the beginning, I, I was kind of confused. What, you, what it was, what the heck was that? He said, but, you know, I am... I have two more uh, business partners, and I have to show your proposal to your to my business partners. So, after two weeks, he came back to me and said, "Oscar, my business partners don't understand what anthropology is, and they say that it sounds too weird. So, uh, I think we're gonna skip it for right now. Let's uh, maybe later." And I said, and I said to myself, well, don't, don't call it anthropology. I'm just, I'm not selling you anthropology. I'm selling you a solution to create extraordinary experiences for your clients. But they, they didn't see it. <laughs> so I had, uh, then I have to, 
what I have to do is I have to to be very sensitive to to see with whom I was dealing with or, or, or who I was dealing with. Because some people were okay, they were ready to listen to listen uh, more about anthropology. For others, it was just better not to not to speak about it. <laughs> and I had to to learn how to be very sensitive and to understand better my client and to provide my client with information that was needed in order to to offer him the solution that he or she needed, as opposed to me selling my wonderful business anthropological product. You see what I mean? Yeah, sure. And so how do you, you know, how do you size up that situation? How do you determine if your identity in some way should be, you know, anthropology led or if you should maybe lead with something else? Well, uh, uh, I, I have two, two ways to answer that question. One is the way I use my marketing. And the other one is when I am, uh, I am sitting in front of a client. Uh, when I'm sitting in front of a client, I'm, I'm reading my customers' behaviors, uh, uh, body movements, uh, uh, his voice. I, I listen to everything. I read everything. I, uh, <laughs> I'm almost psychic. <laughs> I, 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 literally, I study my client, who I am uh, sitting with, very, very carefully. And I do it in a very ethical way. I do it in a very professional way. I'm not, uh, my business is not about cheating or about uh, coercing people. My business is about uh, offering solutions and, and transform peoples and their companies to, for the well-being of, of every of all the stakeholders, literally. That's, that's my goal, that's my mission. So uh, I, uh, I, I, I become very, very aware of of, their, of everything that is happening, and I always have my cell, my mobile off. I don't, uh, I get no distractions. I am in there with all my five senses with my client, and I just uh, I just provide them the information that they need. I, instead of instead of focusing on, I am uh, I'm selling anthropology. I'm selling. I just focus like what what they need. Um, so yeah, on the other hand, with my marketing, I do both. I talk a little bit about, uh, the, I, I offer anthropological solutions, uh, but most of the time, I would say maybe 60, 60% of my marketing is about the solutions that I offer, and I don't use the 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 name or the label anthropology, uh, because the market is not ready yet. I mean, uh, in Mexico and internationally, I would say, people still don't know what, what anthropology. So I, I'm very careful when I use it, how I use it uh, with my clients and with, in my marketing. I focus more on solutions as opposed to, to, uh, to selling anthropology. And so, you know, since you are very much focused on delivering value to all stakeholders, what do you think you contribute as a business anthropologist that's beyond just research? You know, uh, what else to the business do you provide or to the stakeholders ultimately? Mm -hmm. You know, I, one of the things that I, uh, 
I, I came to the realization, <laughs> this is very interesting. I, I, became, I came to realize that, that anthropology provides an, an amazing insights, these uh, amazing insights to a business due to the systematic or the due to the systemic approach. Uh, let me give you an example. I was, I was working with a company that is, uh, which sell, uh, which sell uh, medical equipment. They import uh, medical equipment from China and they sell it to hospitals, clinics, and doctors here in Mexico. So uh, for years, this company was growing in the market, but their strategy was uh, sales as sales uh, or price as price strategy. They compete in the market by price. And it was very ex exhausting. They were growing, but every time they had to just uh, release a, a promotion, a promotion, a sale, a discount, and, and it was very, very exhausting. Even the, uh, the sales force, when I talked to the sales people, they said that they needed uh, a discount or they needed a, a sale in order to, to, create, to, to make business. Otherwise, they couldn't sell anything. So that was their paradigm. So my, my uh, project and my mission was to create a new business model for this company. How could they sell their equipment within a different logic that, that goes beyond the price? What can they offer to, to their customers, to doctors and hospitals to, to, to say, okay, I will buy this equipment because, because fill up the blank. <laughs> so I, uh, I created this project and this company really uh, trust me and I had done previous work with them. And so they, uh, they, uh, they had no problems uh, giving myself a shot and say, okay, we're gonna invest with this guy because he's, uh, he seems to be smart. So uh, they paid all my expenses and I traveled to five different cities in Mexico and I conducted research in hospitals, interviewing doctors, nurses, and, and healthcare professionals uh, in five cities about their problems, the problems they experienced with their equipment, with the medical equipment. And interesting enough, uh, I discovered that the... Uh, these, these, these hospitals and these people have no problem with equipment. The equipment just works fine. The problems and the challenges they face is with the people that manage the equipment. They are the problem. <laughs> they are the source of the problem. Mm -hmm. so for instance, uh, several hospitals, they rent their surgery rooms to doctors, so outside doctors who uh, want to perform a surgery with, for their own patients. So they rent these surgery rooms and they mistreat the equipment. They break it, they pull the cord, they, they destroy it. They, they, are, they don't care. And also uh, another issue that I, I, I discovered was that uh, nurses, there is a huge uh, uh, Role, what's, what's the word that I forgot the word in English? This uh, uh, it's called a rotation, like the nurses, they, are, they get hired and they get fired or they quit all the time. 
Yeah, turn a turnover, right? This, uh, this uh, tremendous turnover in our nurses. So uh, that's a problem. <laughs> the the retention, the retention uh, level in hospitals is very low in, uh, with regards to nurses. So they every time they have uh, they hire a new nurse, uh, they need to train the nurse how to manage, how to handle the equipment. So they lose time, and after three months of the training and every where the nurse has a, a good command of the of the equipment, she leaves the hospital and a new one gets hired. So you, I discovered all these all these uh, subtleties, all these challenges that the medical equipment company. Uh, could provide some value, some some uh, some solutions. So when I returned after my research and I gave them a presentation of all my findings, and I said, your business model should uh, shift from selling from selling equipment to offering solutions. You must uh, you must focus on the pain points of your clients of the, the hospitals, like uh, the nurses turnover like uh, the carelessness of the doctors in the surgery room, you must offer them with solutions. So here comes the, anthropo uh, the anthropological uh, insights and also Oscar's own crazy ideas and creativity. <laughs> because I said, you know, uh, you forget about the business that you are in right now. Forget about that you're selling equipment. Now your business is going to be, I said, okay, now your business is going to be, uh, we offer solutions for the turnover of nurses. And we offer you training 24 hours, 365 days, days of the year, 24-7. And the, the owner of the, of the medical equipment company said, like, how the hell are we going to do that? <laughs> And I said, well, no problem. We live in a virtual world. Let's offer, let's create tutorials. And let's put them on the web. And your clients will have this password. And, and with this password, they will have access to this database of uh, video tutorials with uh, trainings on how to use the equipment. So, uh, because also one of the things that I observed during my research was that the healthcare professionals have no time. They are always running. So I said, if we offer them in-situ training, it's going to be very hard because they are so busy. So let's offer them something on the web, virtually, that they can use on demand. So that's, 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 how, that's what the medical equipment company did. They uh, created uh, these videos, they put it on the web, and now they sell uh, solutions for their, for their hospitals on, on the different uh, uh, problems that the nurses and the doctors in general, all the, the healthcare professionals experience when dealing with equipment. Agreed. And, and so, sometimes... Even in an interview that I had with this engineer that fixes all the all the equipment in a hospital, 
this was in uh, in Monterrey, Mexico. Uh, this, they, they, he said, you know, the nurses and the doctors are so mad that this equipment do not work. Uh, this equipment does, doesn't work. So when I go there and I say, hey, guys, did you plug it? <laughs> it wasn't plugged. <laughs> <laughs> but they were pissed. They were pissed because it was a piece of shit. <laughs> so I said, really? I was, I said, yeah, it happens all the time, Oscar. It happens all the time. So uh, I said, okay. So uh, I, uh, uh, this idea of offering uh, solutions through video tutorials was very powerful. And nowadays, uh, the, the company has shifted their business model to uh, not to sell uh, price, they sell solutions, and they, they have been very successful. And with the pandemic, they are selling more. more. They, they, I think this was their, this year was better than the last year. They made they they sold way more than last year. Focusing focusing on this on this on these solutions. So in there, you know, you made the comment about you know after you did your research, kind of came back and you know you sort of. You gave them some crazy, you know, ideas from yourself, but really like, you know, there's a process of, of course, of getting from insights to, you know, recommendations. And so what does that look like for you? Are you using social theory to help sort of inform that, you know, all the time, some of the times, none of the time? Well, uh, it depends on the, it depends on the client. Uh, for, uh, usually I don't, uh, I mean, I'm, as I said, I'm very sensitive about the, uh, when I about, I'm very sensitive about when I should open my mouth and when I should not, because uh, I know also by self experience that it's not good to to offer people's to offer a client with solutions. It's better to guide your client to come up to or to arrive to his own solutions. But uh, also by by experience, I have noticed that. Sometimes they, my clients and the people I work with, they, 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 are the, they have this vision in which they don't know other than their business. And their problem is that they know too much. They know too much of their business. So in that case, I have to push them and I have to brainstorm and offering my own brilliant ideas <laughs> because they, they don't see, they cannot see anything else. Unlike... A, for this, uh, for instance, the, talking to the sales personnel it, for the medical equipment company, they they couldn't see themselves selling in any other way than just giving discounts to hospitals and doctors. They, when I asked them to to do, I conducted a workshop to come up with uh, ideas. They have none, <laughs> no ideas because they. They were not exposed to other ways of being, to other ways of seeing, other ways of thinking. So they couldn't, they didn't know better. So then, so I, 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 I had to, I had to uh, expose them with, uh, with empirical data and with some ideas to get some momentum going and, and create something new and create a new business model. So that maybe the data relates to what I was just going to ask there, which is, you know, how do you go about really selling that? You know, so oftentimes we do come up with recommendations and sometimes those recommendations are obviously not adopted. Um, you know, do you have any strategies for, 
really selling your recommendations uh, that, and you know, if you've tried many, have any worked better than the others? Yeah, I, uh, sometimes you sell, uh, well, sometimes you, you do recommendations, or sometimes I do recommendations, and I think my ideas are great, <laughs> but the, my, my, my clients sometimes, they also agree with me that they are great, <laughs> but they are so complicated to, to pursue because they don't have the capacity, they don't have the personnel. It implies more work than what they are currently doing and they are too busy to, to do more. So uh, I, in, that, in, that, in that respect, then I have to, I have to just be very realistic about helping my clients to, to do what they realistically can do and push them a little bit further and push them a little bit to the stretch where, where they can grow. Otherwise, they wouldn't hire me <laughs> again <laughs> because I need, I need to show them results, right? So <clears throat> I, uh, uh, I, can give, I can give you an, uh, an, uh, another example of a, of a case that I give them some ideas and uh, they were so excited, but at the end, they didn't follow. Like a, a, a company that they they sell um, they sell uh, lab tests. This, this is a, a a laboratory company that sells lab tests, like blood tests, urine tests, all kinds of tests. So they have they have this problem with the competition. They, some corporations move into the city and. Year after year, they were losing market share. So they say, Oscar, how, how can we do it? How can we compete with these corporations? Because uh, they are offering very low, uh, low price services, and we cannot, uh, uh, we cannot afford that. I mean, we cannot compete. We buy all these chemicals and all these products. We have to import them because uh, all these... Uh, uh, materials and resources that we use for the for the tests for the lab tests are imported, and the, the we buy them in dollars. Sometimes the dollar is not <laughs> is more expensive, so uh, we cannot compete. We have to uh, we cannot afford to to offer discounts or or less uh, or reduce our prices. So I came up with idea. Because also they, they again they 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 knew too much about their about their business, so I gave them some ideas, uh, and one of the ideas was let's let's offer a service to certain doctors doctors that you are you are familiar, and let's offer them with a with a business a business offer. Let's, let's offer them that you're going to be their, uh, their private lab company. You're going to be an extension of their, of their practice. So by, 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 by being an extension, you're going to create a system in which you're going to deliver, uh, you're going to provide all these, the results for, your, for the patients 
directly to the doctor and to the patients via WhatsApp, via email. And you're going to offer a, a percentage of the, of the revenues to the doctor. And you're going to, we're going to create a tracking uh, system so the doctors can know what, how many referrals are sent to the, uh, to the uh, lab company. So they really like the idea because they thought that the best way, well, we, we, we came to the realization that the best way to compete with this corporation is to be very specific and to narrow down a market niche unless working with some uh, doctors uh, with certain specialties, uh, with some expertises, and let's just offer them a business for, for the referrals. And they really, they really like the idea, but it was too much work, <laughs> apparently. They didn't follow through. They had to do all these, uh, all these visits and all these... Uh, all this work with the uh, with the doctors, and at the end, they, it didn't uh, it didn't work out because the idea was great, they really liked it, but they went they went back to to just competing with price. So you know you've given two examples there, and thanks for those. Appreciate you know the real world examples; they always help. And but in there, you know, one project obviously has performed very well in terms of the outcomes for the organization. And the other, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't accept the recommendations maybe, and, and maybe they're just sort of doing the same that they were always doing and it's status quo. So how do you, you know, in, in those situations, how do you gauge your own value, your own impact? And how do you think those clients gauge it? It's like a, well, like, uh, like a human being, there's so much I can do for somebody else. In the same way as an anthropologist, there's only so much I can do for a company. Some, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. I do always my best. I give them my 120% to a client. And sometimes there's uh, it's the chemistry, sometimes it's because I failed on explaining myself or or creating a, a, a good case of what by uh, doing, uh, helping or guiding my customers to do uh, uh, better for everybody. Sometimes it, it doesn't work that way. So in the case uh, of this uh, medical equipment company, it turned out very well because there were certain causes and causes and conditions. Uh, they, there was, as I said, there was previous work with them. They was, uh, they, they trust, they trusted me. They knew that I was an intelligent guy that could give, uh, provide them with some value. So, and, uh, I did everything I could in order to to reaffirm what they believe about me, and also, and of course, and primarily, and the most important thing, to deliver results. So that was that was that, that was key. But in the other case, in the case of the lab, uh, the lab company case, they they didn't know me very well, and also I didn't know them very well. 
I try to uh, to pursue them to uh, really try to help them but they they were not entirely um, I would say open to to the cause to further pursue the to further pursue the uh, the consulting because uh, they uh, they probably they thought that they they uh, they could they knew better or they could do it in a better way. Sometimes they're not always ready to change. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So even though, so, yeah, the. So it's like a religious conversion, right? Sometimes you succeed, sometimes you don't, right? But, you know, um, you know, so in there, there's, there's a little bit of uh, a topic that comes up oftentimes here in the New York area where we are sort of talking about what, you know, how we kind of sell this, what our value is, how, you know, what we would want maybe hiring managers to know or clients to know. So, you know, given your experiences, some positive, you know, some that maybe didn't have the results um, that you would like to see and that they probably could have, um, how would you, you know, if you had to summarize, you know, what anthropology can contribute to an organization, you know, what do you think that is? You know, what would, if there's any non-anthropologists listening, like how would you sell them on it right now? Anthropology can help you to see things that, as an entrepreneur, you cannot see. You were able to find uh, opportunities in the market. You will be able to understand better your own personal, and you you will have clarity on on what's going on to provide value, whether to your clients or whether to your or whether to your uh, to your own company. I think value creation, I think, is the most is uh, is one of the most precious things that anthropologists do. It's great. Is uh, value creation how, how we can create value. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but sometimes it's it's hard to convey. <laughs> it's hard to convey, right? Because because they can they they uh, sometimes people are hesitant or skeptical that what you are what you are helping them to see can be true. Because they're like, oh, that sounds too beautiful to be true. <laughs> I hear you. I, I appreciate that it is oftentimes hard to convey. And I think that relates also to younger anthropologists who maybe are students still or, you know, early kind of mid-career who maybe are potentially anthropologists that are not in business yet, but maybe looking to break in, or maybe they're looking to improve their career. So I appreciate you're at a consulting company, but for anybody, you know, for any other anthropologist who's sort of looking to grow their career in this, and do you think there are certain things that they should be doing or thinking about any skills they should be acquiring, you know, like anything, any recommendations that you would give to people looking to get into the consulting space or even just to work, you know, for a larger organization? Yeah. Uh, I think if you're going to go for the consulting realm, I would suggest first start your own business. Start your own business before you consult, before you 
uh, guide another company or somebody else's to do things better. Do it your own with a company. Sell yourself lemonade. <laughs> sell yourself, sell products, socks, food, um, uh, hardware, sell something. Create your own business selling something and, and apply the anthropological tools on your, on your own business, on yourself. And get insights, insights from that. And then you will have a knowledge base experience and knowledge base, knowledge base, uh, uh, information. So when, when you are, so that when you're with a client, a consulting client, you, you have, you have some value to provide like, because I, in the past I have done this myself, it worked. So I think you, uh, you as a client of mine might be worth to consider this based on my own experience with my own company. And that's great, mm -hmm. great advice. And so, um, you know, considering you have your, your consulting company and I know, you know, as we were just chatting before we, we started recording, you mentioned you've started sort of a new venture, um, recently to sell some products. So what do you think, and I suppose this will be my last question for you, but like, what do you think in anthropology, having the anthropology, background actually brings to starting a business? How do you, how do you bring that toolkit to, to make the business successful? Uh, I, I think because you are able to see, to read between the lines, you're able to, to read between the lines. You're able to listen, let's say in terms of marketing, you're able to listen the customers and transform your customers' opinions, customers' perceptions, to enrich your marketing strategy. Let me give you an example. I, I'm, I, I, as I was telling you, I'm selling some, uh, a dish, a traditional dish for these, for these holidays, Christmas holidays and New Year's. And some of the customers, some of my, some of the customers mentioned like, oh, the dish was just delicious. And I was amazed that uh, it was very kind and gentle with my stomach. It didn't burn, it didn't burn because we use this mole, this sauce, and usually this sauce is very spicy and it's very, it's very uh, uh, tough for the stomach. So when I listen to that, <laughs> I immediately create a campaign in, in my social media, like, oh, oh this, this dish with the sauce is very kind and gentle. It's very kind and gentle. So you use all this information from their customers and you just throw it back at them to, to generate more traffic, to generate more, uh, more traction. Mm -hmm. So I think anthropology can help you to see and read because uh, I have this information, I have seen it with other, with, uh, other, with uh, clients, with uh, consulting clients. And they just say, oh, this is a, a customer is just complaining. Uh, yeah, but listen to the complaint. You can create some value out of this complaint and not just throw it away because it's a, com a complaint and this customer is just stupid. They don't understand our product or our service. So I think as an anthropologist, you are able to, to use that data, turn it into information and create value for your customers and for your own business and your own yeah, company. Advice. So, Oscar, is there anywhere um, or anything you're involved in right now that you, know, you would like to sort of mention or call out? 
Uh, I think we are uh, we're living an amazing moment right now with all the pandemia. I think anthropologists have amazing tools, amazing tools based on our theories, based on our methods. And we are just made to succeed. <laughs> I mean, we're just made to succeed because you're... Uh, there was there was a movement uh, uh, of why anthropologists need, why the world needs anthropologists, and because of the value they provide. So I think we, as an anthropologist, you are not. How can I say this? You are not allowed to fail because you have all the tools. <laughs> you you just have to be creative. You just have to. Uh, don't be afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. You just have to be brave and 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 do things with with the, with no expectation to succeed. Just do it because because it's fun. Because it will lead you to some somewhere else. As an anthropologist, I think you you can start your own venture, whether as a consultant, whether as an entrepreneur, whether as a whatever. Because you have the tools. You just have to go and do it. Be brave about yeah, great. it. Great. Yeah, appreciate that. And uh, yeah, somebody who's in a similar space to you, you know, I uh, I can uh, really appreciate that comment, and I think that that's a great way to end it. So, is there any place that people should look you up? Anything, any you know, any social media or anything that you'd like to mention? Yes, I am in LinkedIn, Oscar Barrera, PhD. I am also in my in Facebook with a. a my own fan page, Oscar Barrera, Oscar Barrera Nunez. And I have my website, Antropologia Corporativa or Antropologia Corporativa.mx. And I have also my YouTube channel, which is Antropologia Corporativa. Great. Well, Oscar, thanks very much. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know you're passionate about sort of getting the word out about business anthropology as well with your LinkedIn article. So I would. Uh, Suggest everybody look you up and uh, follow follow your work. And thanks again for coming on. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. I, it was very fun and a nice chatting, chatting with you and your audience. Thank you for listening to the Anthropology and Business Podcast. To learn everything you need to break into business anthropology and why business anthropology is one of the best lenses for contributing to business success, visit my website at madarts.me where I cover many topics related to business anthropology and beyond. There you will find all the podcast episodes, blogs, and news. Please like, share, and subscribe. See you next time.